how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 381, where I sat down with Alfred Goh and Miles Miller. This is a return for these writers who originally appeared in episode 52. We spoke about their show, Into the Badlands. They're also known for the Shanghai Noon series, Smallville, I'm number four, story credits for Spider-Man 2, the original, and Into the Badlands. In this interview, we talk about their newest series, Wednesday, based on Wednesday Adams for Netflix, where they partnered with Tim Burton for this recreation of Wednesday's story at boarding school. In this interview, we talk a lot about pitching the series, pros and cons, what to do about that, how to deal with rejection, the logistics of their writing partnership after all these years, and what's next for Wednesday Adams. Yeah, because, you know, Wednesday has been... For us, from from kind of concept to now, a you know a three and a half year journey, so that's really uh, that's where our, our energy and our focus has been. And where did, so is it produced by Tim Burton? Where does kind of Tim Burton come into this? And then how are you guys? You guys are listed as the creators. What's kind of logistics of that? Well, we we came up with the uh, the idea about three and a half years ago in the spring of 2019, which was you know, Teenage Wednesday Adams in boarding school. And then the first thing we had to do was track down the who controlled the Adams family rights, which was MGM because they were making the animated movie. Mm -hmm. And we pitched it to the president of production there, Steve Stark, who who loved it. And then we pitched it to the uh, head of the Adams Family Foundation who controls all things Adams Family, mm -hmm. um, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Mizraki. And, and he loved it because he thought it was it was sophisticated. It was telling a piece of the story that had never been told. And it sort of hewed more to Charles Adams's ethos of, of the characters. And from there, we basically, we, we wrote the first episode and that's when the, the pandemic hit and we, which, which felt like we were going to start a writer's room. And it sort of feels perfect that, you know, the Wednesday Adams show was suddenly the, it's the first week of a global pandemic. We're starting the writer's room. And a, and a couple months into that, we, um, you know, we, Maz and I always wanted Tim and, you know, we were told, you know, he's never done television, you know, it, I think his agent said in the 20 years I've repped him, he's never been interested. So, but we sent the pilot script to his agent, his agent read and really liked it. And he sent it to Tim. And then, you know, it's one of those things, okay, we, we, we've done it. If we didn't ask the answer would have been no, we've asked, but who, who knows? Four days later, we got a call. Tim read the script. He loved it. And he wants to, to meet with you guys. So we got on a, on a FaceTime with Tim. And Tim's in London in his garden with the dinosaur topiary behind him. So it's very, very on brand for Tim Burton. And he just said, I love the script. It really spoke to me. I would have dated Wednesday Adams in high school. And he really committed to the show just right then. So that was about a year into the, the journey. So that was May of 2020. And then a year later, we were, you know, prepping the show to shoot in the summer of 2021 in Romania. And we, we shot from, you know, the summer of 21 until uh, end of March of this year. And 
now the show comes out in a couple weeks. To kind of, I'm gonna jump around some uh, to kind of yeah. backtrack a little bit. Before you wrote the pilot, you had just went into a pitch meeting. Can you kind of describe for those novice screenwriters what that's like? I mean, I know you're you guys have the credibility to get into the room, but then once you get in there, you really have to bring something with you. So, what are, what kind of things are you bringing with you? What are some of the aspects you're talking about? Yeah, and you, and you guys are kind of coming from maybe more. Well, last time we talked, we talked more about martial arts and action. So it might be a little bit different to pitch Wednesday. So kind of about that as well. Well, I, I think this was much more tonally in the pocket of Smallville, which is the the sort of show we're sort of best known for creating. Mm-hmm. And it was still because we had the random idea. It was often it's you know, a studio comes to you or they your agents say the studio is looking to develop a Wednesday Adams show because they have the rights to Wednesday Adams. This was sort of the reverse of that, which it was our idea. And so we put together a probably a 15 page series treatment um, with, you know, photographs and character descriptions and log lines for episodes. And we sent that to the executive at MGM and he really liked that. And then he shared it with the president of MGM TV at the time, who was a guy called Steve Stark. And then he read it too. And then then they said, oh, guys, come in and have a meeting. But that was because we were established showrunners and creators. So um, it's slightly different if you're starting out. But it was definitely like we had to do all the legwork. We spent the time, you know, doing a spec TV treatment, which isn't, you know, it probably takes about a month to do that. Mm-hmm. But we felt so passionately about the project and the we felt sort of fell in love with the idea of doing this um, sort of new version of the Adams family or, or, or a show that centered on Wednesday. Um, and the, then it was, you know, incredibly difficult from there to get, as Al said, the, the steps to get it actually going were actually monumental. Now it seems like a no brainer, but it was far from a no brainer. Um, in terms of the the process of getting it made, it was extremely challenging and almost fell apart like three or four times. It was it's literally near death. It was on the table, having to be resuscitated three or four times, um, even in production. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's 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 the it's the weird thing about the business, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you just have to keep fighting, and we and we never say die. We just keep just going to keep on going. What advice do you have? Because I'm sure earlier in your career, you went through many pitches and specs and things that didn't work out. Um, going back do you, would you kind of encourage young writers to put everything they, you know, mentally uh, writing wise, everything they have into something to really show up with the best, as opposed to going into a meeting where you're not quite sure. Like I imagine the more work you put into it, the more confidence you have and everything else. Do you kind of see some value either way in creating a spec or a treatment like that. I think absolutely. It's absolutely. Right. You, okay, you go out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think it's cause you have to know it's a show. Like when you go, when we go into the room, we go, we know this is a series. We know we've got a bunch of stories to tell. We know the world, we know the mythology. And again, all of that is, it's not all set in stone. It can change and it can evolve, but you know, it's in the, the basic DNA is there that this could is something that could work. This isn't like, oh, after two scripts, I'm going to be out of out of an idea. And, you know, it's interesting because when when Netflix heard it, they really loved it. And I'll just, you know, 
they said that they go, well, this is the best pitch we've heard this year. And we said, what are the things? Because we were curious. We're like, mm-hmm. what is what are the problems people usually have with pitches? And they said they haven't worked it out. They have an idea and they have a jumping off point. And you're like, oh, it could be good. But they actually haven't worked out all of the of the stories and the show. And that's not saying you got to have every episode, but you got to know where your show is going, how your characters are going to evolve, even in even in very sort of general terms. But, you know, you have to be able to do that because, you know, we're all writers, but we're all in the sales business and we're all selling things and you're selling your passion and you're selling your ideas and you're you're trying to sell a story that, you know, is going to work and be, you know, satisfying on on a on many different levels. And that's really, I think, as writers, what we're all trying to do, you know, and and you have to be able. And if you can't tell that story in a pitch, Mm -hmm. Why are they going to invest millions of dollars for you to 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 you know see if you can figure it out you know <laughs> on on their on their dime? So I, yeah, I think that's, and, 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 and and you know just as early as beginning our career, we worked really really hard, and we never like we had we, we went out with one spec, and then we knew we knew it wasn't ready. It was like it, and we didn't sell it, but it was the lesson like we're never going to go out with anything until we are completely satisfied doesn't mean it's going to sell or it's, it's not flawed because every script needs work but if we can have no problems with it ourselves and that's true of us now it's like we we will reread and, and revise scripts until we're satisfied that we like them and, and the scenes are all working for us and then you get feedback and think oh like sure you get the notes right. come back and you think oh yeah okay this can be better this just doesn't work but it's as writers you have to that, have that honesty with yourself and the ability to self-critique and not not stop not not be satisfied you got to keep on going until you really feel like okay this is this is my best foot forward this is the best draft i'm going to give um so we we always do that we're 100 percent about delivering the best of us never we never like half ass it ever do you think i feel like a lot of people are maybe fearful to put a hundred percent of themselves into something and then still face that rejection. Do you have any, uh, anything about, you can add about confidence there getting past that, or is it just like the more work you put in, the more confidence you had almost regardless of what they're doing, what they say. I mean, like process and results type well, thing. Well, I, I think we have zero confidence. So <laughs> I think every writer has that zero confidence. You go in and you, you expect to be, you know, trampled. But you have to have what it is—a tough skin and resilience. And I think it's innate ability that you have to, and the passion to keep going. Um, but it's, you know, it can be devastating. Um, it's just having to. It's always for us. I think what gets us through it is that we have another idea. That yeah, you know, we can have you know a a a great day, and the next day we can be fired off a project. So it's it's you never know what's going to happen, and it doesn't matter who you are in the business that you get. Uh, the roller coaster of ups and downs, hires and fires, hits and misses. It doesn't matter. Just it's going to keep going, and it's always about the next thing rather than the last thing. So for us, we're, we're always looking ahead, never back. And he's always yeah. surprised when people talk about so at Smallville. It's like we do, I, I never think about Smallville, but people they, people do. I don't. We always like, what's the next thing we're going to do? What's our next idea? What's our next show? What's our next movie? Yeah, and and I think to to what what Miles said earlier, it's like if you done the best if you've gotten the script to the best version that you can get it to and you've kind of left it all on the field 
then it's like, okay, if somebody doesn't respond to it for one reason or another, it's like, okay, on to, on to the next thing. But I, but I think that's part of it too. It's like, well, th- we gave 110% of it to that story. And if for whatever reason, it doesn't click, resonate, sell, whatever you go. Okay. And then you just move on to the, to the next thing. I think that's really what, but you do get that. It's, <laughs> it's harder when you're younger, I think, because I think you think the next idea is not going to come. And I think the the one thing that, you know, Miles and I have been writing partners for, you know, 28 years. And I think the one thing we know is like the next idea will come to us. We're not, I think we're confident in that. It's, it might yeah. not come easy, <laughs> but it will come, you know what I mean? And you just have to keep, you know, doing putting in the work i mean that's really you know there there's no magic bullet to this you know career you just have to to being a writer you just have to do it you just have to keep writing and that's the and that's the great thing about being a writer is you don't need permission from anybody to to do what we do it's not like an actor that has to audition or a director who has to get people to invest millions of dollars in, into their vision it's you know and you can change your you know you can change the course of your career with the script you know, and that's the great thing too. And that is something that is completely in the writer's hands. Yeah. Cause you, you think, Oh, why are the guys who did into the badlands now doing Wednesday Adams? I mean, one's a pretty hardcore martial arts, dystopian sci-fi drama. And now we're doing a, you know, a <clears throat> female driven, very comedic, uh, team mystery murder mystery in high school i mean so it's like it's it's you, but that's because we wrote it so it's like it's you have yeah. the, that's where you, that's where you have a power the power as a writer that you can define your career you can define what you want define the projects you want to write and that's that's incredibly liberating and as al said that's that's where we get our confidence in terms of like we have the confidence that we can come up with ideas and we're not we're not going to be pigeonholed by anybody we're going to do write the stories that we want to write and that's that's liberating what's What's less liberating is the idea of, you know, that people's responses, that's not in your control. But you, what you do is totally in your control. Back then when you were coming up, before the, the spec and everything else, was Wednesday a no-brainer? Were you between five ideas, a hundred ideas? Like what made you pursue this one over something else in terms of just following that path? I, I think for us, when we, when we hit on the idea, because you're always trying to work on a on a on a bunch of different things and and something about that one when we had it we're like it just was very clear it's just like we could see that show and you know it 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 revealed itself to us very quickly and so there was like just a clarity to the idea that we knew would work and that's and then we just kind of stuck with it we just were like if we can get this ball down the field we know this show can work and but miles said there were a lot of times we were tackled and, <laughs> you know, as we're getting it down, it was not a clear, it was not an easy road or, or a clear path, but, but we, you know, we kept fighting. Cause I, when we were in film school, one of our teachers was the producer, Laura Ziskin, who produced all the Spider-Man movies among many other great films. And she said, being a producer is being a street fighter. And I, and I think that actually is, if you're a writer, if you're a director, it's just, you're always, you always have to, you know, fight for your vision and you can, fight in a way that you're not pissing other people off sometimes you do but but in a way that you can bring people together and try to get everybody on board but it is a it is a it is definitely a a fight that that you have to be willing to do to get the uh the project down the field 
What's some of the logistics of your partnership and the idea creation phase? I imagine you have very similar taste in what you like and want to tell stories about, but is it just is it just a ton of conversations? Like, what does that look like? Do one of you go back and just some of the logistics of that process? Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's it is our creative process is incredibly long conversations at cafes, um, at the farmers market, at various restaurants, at coffee shops, and it's just really an exploration and, and discussion on character on what the stories what the stories could be what the what the sort of was genre of the show is so you know with wednesday it was about you know should we the big dilemma there was should we should she be in an, in a, re, a regular high school and more fish out of water or should we put her somewhere more adamsy this is why we eventually landed on her going to boarding school at nevermore so it's it's and then it's figuring out what kind of characters she should be surrounded by who who would be her friends what to, what kind of world is this so it's just going through a bunch of questions about really the world of the show and then figuring out the, i think essentially for the for the certainly for a a, a pilot um for a, for a for a pitch you definitely need the first episode i think fully worked out doesn't mean you have to pitch every beat of it but you need you as as i think it's expected for you in a pitch to know the first episode so we always pitch the beats of the first episode in a pitch um and that also really helps inform what the show is going to be actually so that's something we, we we work through as well before we pitch before we pitch a show and we always do a pretty extensive series bible um for us before we pitch and then often we accompany it with a visual lookbook which is probably 50 pages of images, which is something we something we have we had for Wednesday and something we share with Tim, just so that we're all on the same page about what we see visually as well as on the page. So it's I think that's the difference between you know show running and being a TV writer is very different from being a, a feature screenwriter because you're really not invited to the table in any of those conversations if you're a screenwriter on a movie. Whereas a showrunner, you know, you're leading those conversations, and and Tim was in, actually incredibly collaborative in all elements of the show. So, uh, yeah, but it's always about us leading those conversations and making sure that our vision is is going forward, and that that it's the clarity of communication that this is what we're, this is the show we want to make, and this is the show we are making, and that's all about you know the weirdness of of writers becoming managers which is which is you know what a showrunner is really it's a a managerial job making sure that everyone is on board and that everyone feels that they are part of something that is very very creative and and i think that's the way that you get a great product that everyone feels like they are heard and a part of something that is going to be that will make them proud so you guys have worked on several um, story TV shows, movies that have some IP involved. How much are you thinking about fans? It seems like with something like this, you're maybe trying to get the original fans of the show, the fans of the more recent movies, and also Tim Burton's audience, which can be a little bit different as well. Are you thinking about all those buckets? Are you doing some rewrites based on that? Or is it more about just adding a little bit here and there to your original vision? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's hard, you know, when we're writing, the first thing we want to do, even when you have, you know, an iconic character like Wednesday, or if, you, or if you have one like like Clark Kent, the first thing you have to do is the story has to work on its own. And then you want to be able to put that overlay on it so that it's only additive. 
So I think I think that's that's the thing. You never you can never lean on that out of the gate. You you have to make sure like this is a story that could be told if you took the name Wednesday Adams out of it. You know, does the story work? Is it emotional? You know, is it interesting? Is it funny? Um, and then you put that on. But then once you have that, like I said, once you've sort of built it, then you can find those those Easter egg moments. And and that is definitely something we you know we like we like to do and and. You know, Miles will tell you there's certain things in the town that are that are lifted straight out of, you know, Charles Adams's uh, panels. Um, and there's even things, you know, we came up with the idea of doing the, you know, the the two snaps and how. But what was kind of the origin of that? Because it's something everybody knows about the Adams family, but it has no explanation to it. So some of it, too, is fun to take these things, you know, and it's like, oh, that's why it's that way. So, yeah. Just, and then in terms of the fans, I know, you know, we are always on Smallville wanted to have Christopher Reeve, which felt like a, a great baton change in terms of him passing the baton to uh, Tom Welling. And here we were just so happy that Christina Ricci joined the show so that we'd see the two Wednesdays. And, and Christina really, her portrayal in the 90s movies, I think really became the iconic Wednesday. So the fact that we got her in the show was, I think, a tribute to both those movies her performance and to the fans so i think it's something that we're very we and we're not say we're not slavish about it but we want people to feel like um that the show reaches out to all all the all the generations of adam's family fans it's not just about rejecting the past it's about honoring the past and the legacy of, of what's happened before and you guys, I think this is eight episodes. When you guys are pitching, are you do you feel obligation? Is it more like leaving the story open-ended for future seasons? Or do you also saying, and then we could go this way? Like, are you thinking that far ahead, or is it a tight, you know, first season in your pitch? Well, I think in the pitch, you always want the season, especially now in this era of streaming. It's when you tell a, an eight episode story, you want to make sure that that's a satisfying, you want to make sure each episode is satisfying and that each season is satisfying, but then you always leave doors open to tell more stories in, in, in the series. Yeah. And then when, when we, in, in the pitch, we definitely pitch, we say, oh, in season two, this, this is pretty short paragraph. We talk about what happens in season two and even what happens in season three. So you have a sense of that there is the, longevity to the show it's not just a, a limited series but again it, it all depends on on audiences and things like that if they watch it so uh but as creators i think it's it's our responsibility to know where the show is going you do have it you have a the signposts of of what this show could be in the future seasons that's certainly something we always think about hmm. do you guys ever go back and, and read some of your older work i'm kind of curious maybe how your writing process has changed over the years do you do anything differently if you were to look at a script or about the logistics of the process itself you know that's it's it's funny we we haven't done it a lot but there are some things you go back and you reread and you're like oh that's pretty good and then you other things you're like holy shit so i think i think it's just you know when you've been doing it as long as us you you definitely it's always evolving it's we don't as miles said earlier we don't look back that much but sometimes you, you do like we'll find one you know on an old file and we'll just kind of start to look at it and you and sometimes you're like oh you would have told it differently but i mean we could i could say you know we scripts we wrote a year ago we reread and be like oh okay now we know how to do it differently i think anytime you have time away from something you're able to go back to it with a fresh perspective you can always there's always going to be things you want to change i don't think anybody ever reads and goes 
perfect. That's great. Wouldn't touch a word. <laughs> well, is that more mechanical? Like as you're, I feel like when I read older scripts, like just maybe 10, 15 years ago, there's more exposition listed. And I mean, showrunner is a little bit different. You guys have a little maybe more say where if you're pitching a movie to a director, they might not want to read all that. Anything like that you could give as far as like advice for young writers. Well, weirdly, because uh, we used to have a very hard and fast rule that we'd never have more than three lines of exposition ever. Okay. Um, it would break. We could, we, if it was an action scene, we'd break it up with a slug line, but we'd never have more than three, just because it didn't look good on the page. Mm -hmm. But weirdly, now we're more flexible, and we break that rule. And I think the exposition's got like more detailed, oddly, mm -hmm. um, and. We certainly write out all the action sequences. If you read the scripts, I think they're very visual. And I think it's something that certainly directors like in our scripts, that it is all worked out, that the transitions are all there. Um, so that they, you know, half the work is done for them. Doesn't mean they don't bring a lot to it. Obviously, working with someone like Tim, he brings a lot to it. But uh, it's still for us all there on the page that you should be able to see the episode or the movie in the writing. And that's something that we've always done and is very important. Hmm. So I don't think it's evolved in 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 that way, except that it's got maybe the exhibition's got bigger. <laughs> that's true. And I but I also too think it's just because we've we've seen so much stuff between the shows and the movies, we've seen so much of our stuff actually produced, is I think you also have the muscle of like, okay, that'll never make the the, the edit. You know what I mean? So sometimes you're just like that scene you don't you don't need. Even sometimes if the scenes in the outline, when you get to the screenplay. You're like, you know what? We don't need this scene to tell the story. So I think I think we're we're probably better editors well, as well. Yeah, I think definitely the editorial process. We, we, we're, we'll go through a script and just just cut. I mean, yeah. it's 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 having sat in the edit room and doing edit zooms for years. You know, I think we've done over three hundred hours of TV. It's just you just learn what is and isn't going to be in the show and what how to make a scene better. So I yeah. think that's something that. But it's very, it's difficult in terms of like killing those great lines. But it's just you don't need them, you know. But a lot, a lot can happen visually as well. So it's like you don't need all the dialogue. Hmm. I mean, Tarantino uh, talks about going through all your scenes and cutting out the last two lines, hmm. which I think was certainly something I look at now. It's like, oh yeah, yeah if you cut those last two lines out, actually, <laughs> like, oh, the scene ends here, <laughs> gone. <laughs> Um, kind of from the other side of that, aside from the pandemic, when you're reading and staffing the writer's room, you're reading more original scripts now, I would assume, as opposed to specs of stories that are out there. What are you guys looking for? What's Is it just a gut feeling? I mean, anything that you can kind of give some advice for people getting noticed when they're pitching these scripts? Well, it's, it, it's looking for good scripts. So it's like it's looking for, you know, great description in terms of visualization of, of what what they're trying to say so i want to see i want to be able to see the movie as i'm reading it great dialogue and tight tight storytelling i mean it's just it's you, you really want to have a great spec so and, and as when we were starting out you know our agent told us you know what you need is a you know a great story need great dialogue with the humor baked in emotion <laughs> like really really right. strong concept oh so oh, the perfect, perfect script. script if you have the perfect script you're gold but I, but i think the I, I think one of the the 
faults that we see in a lot of the specs we read from people is is actually the ability to tell a story mm-hmm. is is more more so than because sometimes it's like oh there's like really nice writing or some good character stuff but it's like can they tell the story is it moving from scene to scene is it sort of tightly constructed and from a character is the character driving it so that that's yeah. really and also sensibility wise like you know why why would someone pay money to see what they've written? You know, that's always for us. It's like, it's a, it's a responsibility as a writer in this business. Like, you know, why am I going to sit here and watch this? So I think sometimes I read the script. I, I, I wouldn't, like, I don't know. I don't believe the writer would watch what they've written. So it's like, it's like, who are you writing for? So we always write for ourselves that we'd watch our own shows. There's just some of the shows that we want to watch the shows that we want to write. So I think that's something is that that's where it gets personal in terms of, I don't believe in writing from personal experience necessarily in terms of like, you must write your, your own story. It's the only way you can be authentic, but I definitely think you need to write something that is for us. It's about is entertaining that I want to be taken uh, an, an escape for eight hours on, on, on a binge. I want to, I want to go somewhere away from my own life and be entertained and, that's something that's important to us. That's that it's 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 a good story. It's it's it takes us somewhere else. Do you guys have are there any surprise difficulties in being a writer partnership as opposed to being an individual that people might not think of entering the business? Well, the number one is that you spit your money. And that's again, that's uh, oddly, it's become a big deal for people because yeah. it's, it's, we, we, we feel very lucky because in a different era, it was much easier. Now it's financially very difficult to be a partners mm-hmm. because um, of the way that, you know, you get an eight, eight episode spread and that's it. You know, we started out on network TV where we had 22 episodes, you know, which was a big deal in terms of like the financial element of, of a partnership and having to, raise families with that so um but, but no i mean the advantages for us far outweigh the negatives which is you yes. know we can sit in cafes together and work out stories and have those conversations um and get through the you know there are incredible highs that we've had in our career but also incredible lows so how do you it's good to have someone who can share those moments of like deep depression and sadness when you have a beloved project or you get fired or you know it, it's belittle as a writer whatever it is it's just like it's great to have someone who is totally in your corner uh, and understands and that's something that is very special and i think that's what's been great about having a partnership and you know the legacy of amazing cinematic writing partnerships through you know hollywood through the through the decades so i think it's you know we feel very lucky and fortunate to have each other i think yeah i i would second that Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting here. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new course called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.